0: You're listening to the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Bill Simmons. This podcast is called Flying Coach with Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr. And one of the reasons they want to do this is because they wanted to raise some money and raise some awareness during the COVID-19 crisis. We have already raised some money. $100,000 is going to the, the Warriors Community Foundation and the Seahawks Charitable Foundation. They're going to disperse that to a bunch of different COVID-19 causes within those areas, the Bay Area and Seattle. And we're hoping we can even raise a little bit more money than that. If you go to the slash WCK, we're trying to help out World Central Kitchen because they are doing a bunch of great stuff. They're working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support, supporting hospital workers who are doing their jobs in wartime-like conditions. They've also formed hashtag Chefs for America, and they have a bunch of different awesome initiatives. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us and help keep your, keep your local restaurants alive. Just go to the slash WCK. So this is a limited edition podcast series. Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll, and they're going to explain why they did this right now.
1: Pete here we go first podcast people are probably wondering what the hell are we doing doing a podcast together let's talk about why we're here what we want to accomplish and uh what's going on in our in our situation here
2: no, well, first off, I'm uh, I'm fired up to be doing this with you, just to see if we can pull it off. <laughs> Technically, we're here, we're 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 rolling, so we we've we've accomplished something.
1: Well, you won the first battle. You won <laughs> the technological battle. This took me a little while to get going here, but
2: uh, it's not that we were competing. But yeah, I, I did get started a little bit cleaner than you did. So
1: we were definitely competing.
2: <laughs> we're <rolling. laughs> well, really, I, uh, you know, I was hoping that we could just have you know an opportunity to share kind of our perspectives which are uniquely different and and then so much the same too and uh, share with you know the listeners that might want to hear kind of what's going on with our world and cross over between NBA and NFL and and you know see if we can make some sense of the similarities and then the differences too and just have some fun with it
1: you know, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, I, I called you about uh, Rex Chapman's uh, COVID relief uh, yeah. fund for the food bank in Kentucky, and just asked asked you if you'd support it. And you said to me, "Let's let's do something. Let, what, what can we do?" And so this is kind of what we came up with: a, a coaching podcast. Um, so the plan is to. Raise a bunch of money for 100% of the proceeds from this are going to go to COVID relief. Uh, we've already made big donations uh, through the uh, Seahawks Foundation and the Warriors Foundation. Uh, so we're trying to, to do our part, and, um, but we also want to entertain and we know people are stuck at home and they're looking for things to do while we uh, wait this thing out. So uh, I think we're going to talk a lot about coaching and a lot about uh, you know, how you run your team uh, how I run my team, and then eventually uh, we'd love to get some coaching guests on from different sports yeah, and sure. kind of make this a unique deal. So let's do it.
2: I kind of see maybe we get, maybe one of these shots we can go uh, NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. That might be kind of fun.
1: Put them all. That'd be on good. There. You were kind enough to uh, invite me to Seahawks camp six years ago, and I suppose we should tell the story. Like people are probably watching this or listening, saying how these guys get connected, and so. Actually, I want to hear your version of of how we got connected because I, I I've got my version. What What do you remember about uh, about that? Really,
2: I just wanted you to come in because I wanted to see your shot. You know, want to see you've been know, you all time ever's three point guys. I just want. I'm always working on my J. It needs a little help, you know. I think it was Dominique Wilkins say that you lose your hops, but you never lose your J. I don't know about that. Dominique wasn't as old as me. <laughs> it starts to fade a little bit, you know. So
1: uh, I never I never had any hops, so I didn't have to worry about the hops part. <laughs>
2: Well, really you know i when i think we connect i don't remember, even remember how the the first phone call took place but we we got connected on on the thought of doing something and i've always you know to me you may have come in to to see what you could pick up from us but i was getting you in there so i could see what i could pick up from you cuz i'm either competing or i'm not you know <laughs> so i'm looking for something and and so i welcome the guys coming to visiting us you know and and we had a terrific visit It was really fun you were just getting started in coaching which yeah. was uh, it was fascinating to me you know the, the all of with all of the great experiences that you had and even the great coaches you've played for and all of that, to think that you never really had called it much, you know, and, and, and uh, was fascinating to me. How are you going to ever get going, you know, cause there's so much yeah. to get organized. And so I, you know, I took it as a real opportunity to kind of dig in. It helps me to rethink, you know, and how I, how sure. I would advise somebody in that situation helps me more clearly understand what's important to me. And, and so I was a great exchange. It was fun. I know, a few days worth and all that was great.
1: Yeah, I was there for uh, three days, and it was, I think, July of 14. You guys had just won the Super Bowl. So I had decided to leave my television gig and get into coaching. And my agency that had represented my, my, my whole playing career had a coaching division. And the guy they hired to run the coaching division was Mike Tannenbaum, who was just uh, coming off uh, the, uh, GM, his GM role with the Jets. And, uh, Mike was incredible because, you know, I had always kind of thought, well, an agent, you know, is going to help you negotiate a contract. And, and Mike was fantastic. He came in, uh, we met, we had lunch and he said, the, the first step is to help prepare you to, to, to learn how to be a coach. So let's brainstorm and think, you know, how can I help you become a, a, a coach, become a better coach or prepare to, to, to be a good coach. And he said, uh, who do you admire? Like what coaches in the NFL do you like? And first thing I said is I would love to, to meet Pete Carroll because I'd watch you at SC and I was blown away by the energy and the joy that your teams played with at USC. And I'd, I'd watch your game. It was mesmerizing. There was like this, this palpable uh Component of fun and joy, and and you could see it on the sidelines. Everybody's having a great time. You guys are winning game after game, and it was kind of ironic because I grew up a UCLA fan. I hated USC, <laughs> but I'd watch you and I'd think, man, you did
2: tell me that on the way in. I would not, I I would, I might not let it happen. <laughs> I, I waited,
1: I waited. Uh, so that's how I ended up uh, in camp. I think Mike called uh, DQ Dan Quinn, who was your yep. uh, uh, defensive coordinator. And you guys invited me up there, and I sat in on meetings. You had me come into a huddle like during a scrimmage. Uh, I was kind of standing off to the side, and you go you go, hey go go get in the huddle listen to listen to Russell call the plays. I'm like really you're pushing me in there i 'm in the huddle i 'm listening to Russell call a play and standing behind watching the play develop it was uh it was so much fun it was incredible oh,
2: good good yeah i'm I, you know it was uh the thing that makes it even more memorable than than just that we had a good time doing it is is you turned right around and kicked butt, man. <laughs> you started winning games and winning game after game and going and and putting together such an extraordinary run with your club. Um, it was really it was really thrilling to watch that, you know, and of course we're really tuned into hoops in, in our building and, and uh, it's just something that we have fun with all the time with the players. And so we followed your team closely and, and followed the progress and, and knowing that there was some connection to us, you know, it was fun. And uh, just to watch the excellence, man, I mean, it's an incredible. Uh, an incredible feat that you pull off. From not, I mean, I've been coaching for 40 years before I was talking to you, you know, and you hadn't coached at all, you know. So it does show you how it, it shows your ability to, to make sense of this stuff and, and to make sense of the career that you had to draw from the coaches that you had you had marvelous coaches along the way uh it, it all made sense to you you must have been a great guy to coach for those guys because you must it you know you were one of the guys that it, you could figure it out you could uh make sense you could probably really uh help the coach on, on you know when you were playing on the court and all that so you carried all that over and you had some pretty good players too you know yeah, we were Your players were were magnificent you know and, yeah. and, and all. and all it was just a just a masterful job of putting together a team right out of the shoot, so it was we've always been impressed. we followed the heck out of it
1: I appreciate it we We were loaded with talent. The team was ready to take off. Uh, I came in at just the right time. They were already good. Uh, Mark Jackson had done a hell of a job kind of putting a foundation in. Uh, they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. The guys they were just young and they needed uh, a little more experience and and uh, but this is what I remember that was so important about my visit with you. And I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I sat in on meetings. Um, as, like I said, I sat in on huddles. I'm on the sidelines with you. I'm watching. There's all this energy. There's music's playing and, and the guys are bouncing around. You're going from one drill to the next. It was like organized chaos out there. There you go. And mm-hmm. it, it was really fun. And that's, that's kind of what, as I said, that's kind of what drew me uh, to your style in the first place. But you called me into your office probably the third day. And you go. We sat down, and you go. So, how are you going to coach your team? Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. You go. How are you going to coach your team? I go. So, uh, like, what offense are we going to run? You go. No, no, no. That, that stuff doesn't matter. And and I'm I'm like Jesus. I I just spent like two years trying to design my offense, and uh, Pete Carroll just told me none of that stuff matters. <laughs> uh, and I said, well, what do you what do you mean? And you told me the most interesting story. You you basically told me your story. Of how you learned how to become a coach, and I think it'd be really interesting for our listeners to, uh, to to hear the story. What what you told me was that when you were in New England and and with the Jets, you knew football, but you didn't quite understand what coaching was about. And you went and joined the Niners as an assistant yep. coach, right? After and Jets, you told yeah. me you you visited with uh, Bill Walsh um, every day at the end of practice. And that, that story stays with me today. And I think about it all the time. Can you share that, that story? What was going on?
2: I was at San Francisco and, uh, Coach George Seifert was a head coach, and he, he had coached for years with Bill Walsh at the Niners. And Bill was just an iconic figure in, in all of sports, but in particular in that building there, you know they they held him in such extraordinary high regard, you know, because he was the king, you know, and the whole time he was there, and he was magnificent. And the history of the success was is well documented, but he was more than that. He was a personality and all that. Anyway, so when he came back to be a, a, an advisor, um, they hired him back after I think after the Stanford days. He came in the building and nobody wanted to talk to him. They were scared to death of him. You know, everybody was afraid they're gonna say the wrong thing and all that. Well, I didn't know anything. I, I, I mean, I had, I was grew up a Niner fan and all that and and loved all their, their success. But I didn't I hadn't been overwhelmed by him, you know, in the in, in the coaching process. So anyway, he he was kinda of by himself, you know, and he was he had a little office in the back corner and, and so I just started going in and hanging out and he and he let me come in and talk and he was nobody else was coming by. So he, you know, we we developed a really Great relationship. And what was so exciting about it is I was, I mean, I had loved the 49ers and the system and and the the history of how they had put it together and all of that. But I had the chance to ask him about all of, you know, how did you do it? Why did you do this? What was your thinking here? And why would you, why this player? Why this coach? Um, And and even talking through the cycles of their time together with Joe and Jerry and all those guys and Steve Young coming on all, I mean, we got to talk through all that stuff, which was, um, I mean, it was fun anyway, you know, whether it had something to do with coaching or not, it was going to help me. I you know I was just trying to understand it better and learn. So that just became an extraordinary resource, you know, because I knew why he had done what he had, you know, he had chosen to do the things he had done. And, but what, what came through wasn't really any of the specific particulars, you know. It was that he knew what he was doing, and he knew how he wanted his program to go, and he was really, really adamant and, and emphatic about the things that were important to him in execution and discipline and practice uh, the the approach to the players, how he dealt with the coaches and the players it just it reminded me so much of when I look back now, it reminded me so much of what I had learned and what I had loved so much about Coach John Wooden, you know that he was so unique and so extraordinarily his own guy in his own way, totally different than anything I could ever put up bill, totally different than anything I could ever put out there as a coach. But it was more about figuring out that you needed to know you. That's why I asked you the question, you know, how are you going to coach your team? And what, what do you, now what, you know, okay, you've been around this yeah. a little bit, you, you're thinking about it. And you're thinking of X's and O's and okay, I'm going to go to camp and all that, but that's not, that's not what came through during the, the, the great lessons, you know, with, with coach Walsh, it was, it was about knowing who you are, and, and the more I looked back at the people who had, had impressed me over the years, you know, I had major influence from, uh, you know, from Bud Grant, you know, when I was at Minnesota for those five years, and and some money Kiffin, the guy I coached with for years. It was these unique people, and and they had their way and their style. That's so. That's what I was. I wanted to get you to start thinking about. Who are you as a coach? What are you all about, man? You know, where, yeah. where are you coming from? What's important to you? What are your uncompromising principles? You know, where what are you going to stand by? What do you stand for? I mean, all of those things are going to come into play because they're going to you're going to be in camp, and some guy's not going to show up for a meeting, you know, and yeah. then he's going to be late for the bus, and and then he's then he's going to. You know, spout off at one of your players during the game. You got all these millions of things that are going to happen. How are you going to react to them? How you, it has nothing to do with X's and O's. It's right. who you are right. and how you get. You know, and and then every time you you deal with any situation, you're making a statement about who you are, what you are, and then they're going to watch you. And do you really believe in something, or are you just yeah. dealing with things yeah. randomly? You know, so that's that's the really cool stuff about figuring out how to coach. You know, and and uh, you unbelievable job you did. <laughs> like I said, I can't even imagine how you pulled it off.
1: Well, I I I know everything you're talking about ends up with authenticity, right? So every coach you're talking about whether it's Bud Grant or or Bill Walsh or or you know Seifert, they knew what they wanted, they knew what they were about and that had to show itself to the players. And that's mm-hmm. I think that's what most of my mentors, most of my my coaches who I leaned on Guys like Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Lute Olson in college. Sure, I could feel all that, but you were the first person to ever really uh, express how how that has to come through. And so, what I mean by that is, um, you know, everyone talks about culture. How do you how do you build a culture? You know, you, we've all been in a in a gym or a you know a weight room where there's a big sign that says like only the strong survive. And you're like, what does that even mean, right? (laughs) And what I learned from you was everything that happens in practice, everything that the players feel when they walk into the gym or onto the field, every day that they come to the facility, it has to be real. And the values that are important to you as a coach have to come alive. And that's how culture is defined. And, And when your players feel that, and they feel that authenticity coming from you and it's really uh, it comes alive in practice and in the in the atmosphere now there's something real and the momentum starts to build
2: yeah well it, one of the greatest pitfalls is is lack of consistency you know to be consistent you got to be going with what you know if you're trying to do something that somebody else did you're going to sometimes be on it and sometimes not so you're going to be sometimes true to the to the word and sometimes not and so it, it's it's so crucial and i mean whatever coach that I'm talking about, whatever sport I'm talking about – It it doesn't matter. It just matters. Are you clear? Do you have your sense of it? You know, and so those those questions need to be asked of yourself to figure that out. And you got to get to the point where you're clear about what you what you stand for, and what what so that you can give these guys the best shot and not having a bunch of distractions in their brain about well, does he mean this? Does he not mean this? Who is he? he, Does he like me? Does he not? You know, all the kind of you got to clear all the air because you got to get these guys to perform. We got to get all the garbage out of the way. So. There's a lot to it. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot to it. I love talking about it. I think it's fascinating stuff. And, and it's uh every story is different with every coach, you know, and and it's just it's 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 really cool stuff to talk about because it's really about unveiling to you who you are. And that yeah. that's that's what's that's what's crucial. And you obviously were so clear and it made so much sense to you.
1: What was cool for me was you you explained all that and then you said go back to your hotel tonight and think about all that stuff. Think about what are the most important values to you you know not to greg popovich not to phil jackson yeah. you know not to me to you personally and i think that was the best advice that i got was uh every every person is different right every every human being is different and unique to his own set of circumstances and and so what our values might be similar but they're unique to us and um and learning how to to make that those come alive in a, in a team setting is really what coaching is about. So this is what, where it got cool for me was you said, uh, you shared that story. The next day we came in and we kind of talked more in detail about values. And you said, I went through this process with Bill Walsh and kind of talking things out all year. And then I did a lot of writing. I you, t- you you said you did a yeah. lot of writing and reading and you told me when you got the SC job, you knew you were ready. You said, I, I said, I, yeah. you said, I knew we were going to roll. And so what do you, explain that. What do you, what do you mean by well, that? Yeah, well,
2: yeah, nobody else thought so. Cause they, they were people that, <laughs> people that critique that choice. They, they weren't very You were like the. Weren't you it.
1: like the fourth choice or something? Oh, or easy, like the,
2: easy. Fourth or fifth or whatever. It was such a bad choice, you know, media wise, that they had to wait extra days to kind of let the, let the dust settle in the time frames open up, you know, where they felt, okay, we've got to hire somebody, you know, so i okay, let's take this guy. But, uh, yeah, what I was ready because uh, you know a lot had happened following uh the New England uh, job when I got I got fired there and uh there had been a, a you know an off season there that I was I sat at home and I kind of semi retired and tried to figure out what I was trying to get involved in the media because I didn't know what else to do because you know nobody was hiring me as a coach so that wasn't working out either so <laughs> you know eventually I went after asking all of the crucial questions that I met really I was asking you you know in, in my office is that you know What's important? Where are you coming from? And and this this thought about uncompromising principles has always been a really strong thought. You know, what things were you only agree with and you can't, you know, you can't accept anything but that. Those are huge decisions to make. And and when you make those decisions, your philosophy starts to become take shape. What I think, you know, Steve, everybody has a philosophy in that they act the way they act. They've made the choices that they make for how they run their life and how they work their business and how they deal with their family and all that. But not always have we, no, rarely have people sat back and said, these are my choices. Oh, I really, I do this. I I I like this kind of food i like this kind of activity i like this kind of music i like to do this and do that they, they don't sit back and, and evaluate it because they don't necessarily have to but when you're competing on our level and you got to get stuff right and you got to get your act together you got to know exactly who you are you got to know exactly what you're giving these guys to help them be great you got to know where you're coming from and so that's what when i went after the process of coming out of the new england thing which you know i was I was rocked by getting fired and all that we we had won we were winning games you know We've been to the playoffs and stuff, but it just, I still got fired and. I needed to get my act together. I started all over again, basically, and that self discovery that occurred there and and the uh, the time that took place got me ready for. It happened to be USC, and even though they hated the thought that I was going in there, you know, I was so fired up. I was, it had nothing to do with anything. I could care less what they thought, you know. And, and it just set the stage. I didn't. I didn't inherit. I did inherit a bunch of great players, but I inherited a team that hadn't played very well. And and so uh, you know, Carson Palmer and Troy Palomalo and Justin Fargus and all these great players that that were sitting there in the, in the wings there were just waiting to be uh kind of t- tuned in and turned on and and uh so it it you know worked out pretty well
1: i think back to um watching those teams and you know i've talked earlier about the joy that that you guys displayed and that's one of our team values with the warriors is joy and you know i i just always felt like as a player i i that was when i played my best when i was having the most fun. And I think in general, that's why we all start playing sports as kids Mm -hmm. because we enjoy it. And I happen to, to inherit maybe the most joyful basketball player in the NBA history and Steph Curry. And so uh, the, 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 the culture is, is obviously, you know, your, your values are important, but the connection with, with key players is, is so important as well. Um, Steve, so, so, can, so, tur- can
2: I turn you around? Can you help, yeah. help help me understand how how did you take? Okay, you you've, you developed some time there and here where you were going to put your 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 approach together. What happened there? How, how did how did that how did you come to the decisions that you made to? design the format for your club and the way you were going to come across it. How, how did that happen for you? Cause we, had, okay, we had our meetings and we talked about it and whatever, and then you, you walked away from that. But what's incredibly amazing to me is you did it, you know, and you did it in a couple months, you know, and how did
1: you, how did you pull that off? Well, I, I think um, most importantly, we had, we had great talent and they were already good, you know, and, and and that was the first thing that we tried to do as a coaching staff was go in there and tell the guys, we respect what you've already done and you've already built this foundation. And so we're here to just try to help you take the next step. And so I think, I think our players appreciated that because uh, you know, they were proud of what they had accomplished already. They'd been to the playoffs uh, in consecutive years, um, two straight 50 plus winning seasons. The Warriors hadn't done that in, two decades. And so they were already really good. And I think it was important for our staff to to connect on that level, to explain to our guys, hey, we're coming in. You guys are here. Let's take the next step. And I had such great mentors, uh, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, uh, Lenny Wilkins, who I played for in Cleveland for for three years. Cotton Fitzsimmons played for um, in Phoenix. I felt their influence as when I played for them, I felt that authenticity. The one thing that, that I felt from all of them was you have to find a way to bind the whole group together. You know, for me, it's 14, 15 guys. For you, it's, it's 60, whatever it is. And so, what's going to be the common theme? What's going to be that bond? And uh, so, f- we had such a deep team. The thing that I talked about from day one is we are gonna overwhelm people. We're gonna play everybody. We're gonna play deep second unit. And that means one night it's gonna be your night, next night it's gonna be somebody else's night. But if you if you let it happen, we're gonna roll people. And we had uh, really, really unselfish leadership we had a, a really well-structured team. I think that's important too. You can't have all young guys and you can't have all old guys. We had a really good balanced roster. And so we had the veteran leadership of of uh, Andre Iguodala, for example, Leandro Barbosa, uh, Andrew Bogut, guys like that who, who understood that this was an opportunity to be really special. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to j- appeal to that part of it with our players. Uh, the idea that uh, we're going to overwhelm people with our 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 depth and our numbers. And when you do that, and you play fast, you play loose, and you have fun every day, it can be an incredible run. Steve, the, the, you know, a lot of people that would be in
2: a position where they take over an organization or something like that would would be really compelled to really be the center of it. You know, and thinking that this is their job and they got to go for it, <clears throat> they've got to. Put their stamp on it and 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 all it doesn't sound like any of that was the issue or was was of your concern you know you you were more about assessing the situation, evaluating your players, you know the potential you recognize the history uh and and you you what it really sounds like to me is that you really respected where they had come from, to yeah. the point where that guided your your decisions. And there's nothing better than for those players to hear that you appreciated that you know who they were, what they would accomplished, and you didn't come in there to try to make them something that they different. You know, and right. you tried to maximize what they what they brought. That in itself, that, that selflessness of that part of it, and the, the unselfish part of you know coming in. You know, you, there's a lot of ego involved in, 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 that could have entered into this. And you put that on the back burner, obviously, you must have. And and you went in there and figured it out, complimented what they had, and then really opened up the doors to really let them flourish, I think. that sounds like that really must have taken place in quick fashion. You know, and it didn't sound like there was many hitches along the way. No,
1: no. We, we had a we had a good staff. I had a couple of veteran guys, uh, Ron Adams and and Alvin Gentry, uh, by my side who had been in the league for like 30 plus years. So so they really helped guide me. But I think the whole point is, um, you know, if you're comfortable in your own skin, then you can understand that really what coaching is about is serving your players. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to do it in an authoritative way, if that makes sense. You know, you, you can't, you, you have to be vulnerable as a human being, but you also have to show that you know what the hell you're doing. And I thought that's where, where Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich were great. Uh, Pop, especially um, in his time with the Spurs, I I played four years there. You could feel his humility, uh, almost like a good parent. Like you didn't want to disappoint him, you know, because you knew Mm -hmm. how much he cared about you, but you also knew, he knew exactly what he was talking about. And I think that's, that's a really powerful position to be in as a coach is, uh, to, to understand that relationship with your players where, you know, you're not telling them what to do. You're trying to bring the best out of them. And then you've got to balance that, that yeah, it's uh, a a dance there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a dance the whole time. There's no question. Yeah.
2: Uh, Greg sounds like, um, that, that, just the way you define that, it sounds really clear to me that I, <clears throat> I've always loved everything that he, that he stands for and all that, but that, the the parent part of it is something that over the the long haul of all of the years has come through to me that I'm really looking at it like if I was the dad you know what would I what would I do to help my guys yeah. be the best they can be you know you want your kid to be great at whatever they're doing and have a full life and be everything they can be and all that kind of stuff that that's really been the the real guiding light for me Later on, I didn't realize I didn't know anything for years. <laughs> I was just coaching, but it, it took a long time to f- to figure stuff out. But that's really what's come true now, and it's to care for them. and You really care, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and you care enough, yeah. that, and you follow just your, your thought about what if you love these people, what would you do to help them? You know, make them fully enjoy what they what they get the opportunity to do, and that that's I know Greg has found so many different ways to make sense and connect with individual guys, and and and. and That shows how much he cares. And after a while, when you're totally consistent like he is they know that's just who you are. And when yeah. when you're to that level and they're not, there isn't a mistrust or, a, a, you know, looming agendas that the guys can, can think are, are, are out there pending, you know, that you have a chance to start to connect on a really high level and you can really allow people to find their way and they can express themselves. And that's, that's the whole idea to me. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Big time, big time level of trust and, and, um, and the humility was a big part of it with him. I, I remember our first championship in San Antonio was uh, 99 and we won uh game five in the garden against the Knicks. And, you know, they bring the stage out just like they do in the NFL. You know, you, they bring the stage out and uh, the the media's up there and all the players are up there. And I remember being up on stage and, and Tim Duncan's MVP and they're interviewing Tim Duncan and all the players and, you know, we're all wearing our hats and they all the whole deal. And I looked down to my side and Pop and his whole staff are not on the stage. they're twenty feet off to the side, completely out of the picture and I'll never forget that because mm, it that's was uh, that's a great image yeah it, it was so symbolic of of what he believed you know it's like yeah. this is w- this is your moment. you guys are the ones who did all the work your so time. Yeah. yeah that's good stuff
2: yeah, that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thought
1: last thing, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up um okay w- when did you know? you wanted to become a coach? Wow.
2: Um, it's interesting. I grew up, um, you know, playing every sport that could play all around the calendar forever and and uh, just loved playing. Just like you said earlier, you know, loved to play the games and just have fun doing what we do. And uh, I had uh, in my high school, when I went to high school, my high school coach had a camp, a summer camp, this really cool old style Marine boot camp type of thing. And when I was a freshman, he asked me, I don't know why he picked me uh, out, but he asked me if I would want to, you know, come and coach Pop Warner kids, you know, and then earn my way to come to the camp for the couple back-to-back sessions. Well, the point is for the next eight years, I was coaching with my, with Bob Trotman, my head coach who's since passed away. And, uh, I never ever thought that I was ever going to coach, but I was coaching from the time I was 13 years old, you know? And, uh, I I had always pictured coaching as the high school coach kicking towels in the locker room, you know, <laughs> picking up after <laughs> PE class. You know, the, I didn't have an image other than that. I just, as odd as that may sound, and uh, not until I had finished playing in, at the University of Pacific and I uh, tried out an NFL team and tried to get the, the camp, since I went to the World Football League, I was trying in any way to keep playing forever, and uh, I was out you know, I got cut and I was done. I had no clue what I was going to do next. I didn't have one thought of what the next thing I was going to do. And fortunately, my coaches from the University of Pacific called and said, hey, we heard you got released. You know, would you like to be a graduate assistant? I had never even thought about it until that moment. And I had no other choices. So I said, yeah, okay. (laughs) I know what else to do. And so uh, I went back to school and that's when that's when I thought about coaching. I mean, I just didn't, I didn't grow up with that desire, yeah. but I had been doing it and I had been drawn up plays since I was you know, 13, 14 years old and stuff. And and I was just always ball coaching in a sense, but I didn't know what I was doing and, and didn't know I was doing it. So it just became something that yeah. other people saw in me and then they they helped me get connected to it. And then, then uh, it's been a you know it's been a life lifetime really of joy and in, in, in fun and games and winning and losing and all that and a lifetime that uh, I'm really grateful for.
1: So you went uh, from UOP to the NFL eventually. Like straight uh, there? No,
2: I went all through the whole college thing. I, I went. Oh, okay. I was a graduate assistant for three years at UOP. Which man, you were at the bottom of the totem pole. I used to save the letter, <laughs> the rejection letters I got from coaches. on, You know, when I tried to get on at some of those little small school. But I, a friend of mine, eventually from Pacific, went to uh, Arkansas. When Lou Holtz was first, the first year that Lou Holtz went to uh, the University of Arkansas, and I got to go there as a graduate assistant for under Lou. And then that's where everything popped. Then I went to Iowa State, and 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 eventually went to NC State and Ohio State and we're all over the place, you know, and and uh eventually got got to the NFL, you know, years later, 12, yeah. 13 years later. Yeah.
1: I uh, I always thought I was gonna coach. Um you did probably when I yeah, yeah. My dad was a, a teacher. My mom uh taught as well and kind of come from a, a family of of educators and it 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 was kind of in the in the blood and and uh, I didn't think I was gonna play in the NBA I, so I I was thinking after I got done with college, I'd, I'd get into coaching. And then I started playing and and kind of uh, surprised myself, you know, with how long I ended up playing. And by the time I was done playing, my kids were young. And so I decided to just get into TV so I could uh, be home more often. Uh, but I always had my eye on, on being a coach. And uh, one of the great things for me doing the TV stuff was visiting with the coaches. I'm sure you do it like Saturday afternoon or whatever. If, yep. You know, you visit yep. with the announcers and you give them 20 minutes or whatever and you talk about strategy, you talk about whatever. So doing that when I was at TNT and visiting with all the NBA coaches, I learned so much. And and uh, so there was about a two-year period. Uh, my kids were off in college. I was doing TV when I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, I did. I couldn't have imagined... Inheriting a a team like the Warriors in my first coaching job, uh, but yeah. uh, man, it's been uh, been a fun run.
2: Yeah, it's a great joy. You, you had the opportunity there with your family. To, you, know, you made good choices with the family. we you know we were just chasing co- coaching jobs. Yeah. We were moving all over the place. And Glenn and I moved. We moved. I don't know, seventeen times or something like that. You know, from one place to the other, dragging the family all over the place, and all the choices went to the to the next football opportunity. You know, and yeah. so. I, I I regret that the I mean, dragging the family around so much and not being able to have a settled atmosphere. I mean, we, the first time we, were, I think we were in Minnesota. We were there for five years. That was the first time we stayed anywhere for five years. You know, and yeah. we just, you know, we did had no no home really. We were just you know, kind of mercenaries. It was fighting everybody else's wars. Is kind of what it felt like, you know, and so. Uh, um, but now we've been able to settle the last couple of jobs which has been really good to the family's yeah. really been able to stay together connect and and, and really be a, a tight group but I, I regret the fact that we had to move so much that we were it was so unstable so i admire your choices you did it for the family it worked out great so that's awesome well
1: i was lucky i was lucky to be able to do so and and yeah we're all uh, pretty I, lucky yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah isn't yeah. that the truth and and uh so we'll uh, we'll wrap it up and on that note you know I'm thankful that uh you know we're we're both safe and healthy and and uh, you know we're gonna get through this this whole thing and we're gonna try to help everybody out there as best we can get through this together and hopefully we'll keep you entertained with this uh, yeah. this podcast but uh, just want to make sure everybody out there is following the advice of the experts and, and sticking with it and uh, and we'll get through it together.
2: Yeah, I th- I, you know I do think that we have the opportunity. Um, to make we have choices now you know and how we're going to do it and and i hope that we you and i can continue to just reinforce how important it is to be disciplined and to be tough about this you know this process and figuring our way through it and and i mean just like we would coach our guys you know this right. is this is a challenge you know this is an extraordinary opponent yeah. that we're up against and we're gonna to have to do the hard work you know and it's tough and, and it's challenging and and uh, but if we make good you know, really sound choices and look after our people that we love so much, uh, we can stay safe and we'll 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 do better. So we wish no everybody doubt. the very best out there that's working so hard to make it through it.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Thanks, Pete. That was fun. All right, Steve. We'll do it again. Great talking to you,
0: buddy. See ya. You too. All right. Thanks for listening to Flying Coach with Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll on the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be creating a new feed for this. Stay tuned for that. Check the Ringer's Twitter feed, and Steve Kerr will probably tweet about it too. But for now, you can find it on the Ringer NBA and Ringer NFL feeds. And when we launch that feed, you will be the first to know. Thanks for listening. Don't forget about ringer.com slash WCK if you want to help us raise money. The Warriors Community Foundation as well as the Seahawks Charitable Foundation. They are doing great stuff as well. We will see you back on this feed later in the week with one more.